ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. Love it. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. At, by emailing <laughs> us at ignition at sfcatholic.org. Yep. Ignition at sfcatholic.org. That's the or, email. Or tweeting us. SF Diocese. Hashtag Ignition. SF Diocese, hashtag Ignition. SF as in Sioux Falls, Diocese, D-I-O-C-E-S-E. D-I-O-C-E-S. That's a nice little... I've got to go... I've got rhythm. I got hustle and flow. <laughs> Who are you, man, with rhythm, hustle, and flow? I am Father Andrew Dickinson. I'm the uh, pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White, South Dakota, and the director of the Pius XII Newman Center at South Dakota State University. So and- Catholic... Uh, Bringing the Catholic faith to students and staff there. How, how many years have you been? Uh, this is year seven at that at those yeah. two wonderful places. Yeah. Great. And so great. And I always I'm, like to say with the Newman Center that I'm not just serving Catholics, but I'm uh, bringing the Catholic life to any student or faculty member. Right. There. Right. And then, you know, uh, I think it's worth commenting on briefly. Uh, so your parish, St. Paul's in White. Yes. Your 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 care is not just for those who come to Mass. Right, my care is for every soul of the city of White. Not just the Catholics, even who whether they come to Mass or not, but every soul in yep. the city of White. Baptist, Methodist. Do you have any Lutheran? I, Lutheran. Do you? And this is just a, a random question. Um, are parish boundaries like how clearly defined are they? Like, uh, do you know what the territory of the parish of St. Paul's in White is? Yes. Okay. Off the top of my head, okay, but I know mostly. You could, I mean, although, I mean, uh, uh, wow, this is really is a, this could be a rabbit hole, okay? So, you don't want to, I mean, I, I dip your toe I, into the hole. <laughs> I mean, yes, boundaries are defined, but uh, they're not like clearly defined, and boundaries really just aren't all that much enforced. And so, this, I mean, right, right, it's kind of, but like, so what's what's the next parish to the north for you? Do you know, uh, would be uh, Gary, okay, uh, and Esteline, okay. Okay. There's not much to that. I mean, it's, there's a pretty fair gap between uh, right. St. Paul's and the next parish. Okay. So is there like a road that serves as the boundary between the two well, parishes? Well, I, th- I think we would go uh, Brookings County. Okay. Gotcha. And so once you get to Dual County. Although I think we do consider Toronto, uh, the town of Toronto, South Dakota, ours in Astoria, okay. probably part of our parish boundaries, although they exit and they might be in Dual County. So whatever exactly the geographic scope is, you are responsible for the spiritual care of all those people. So yes. your prayers for them, whether or not you ever see them, certainly your prayers are... Like when I'm praying my uh, Mass uh, on Sunday for the parish, I'm praying for those people. Good for you. I'm sure your conscience is clean that way. Yes, it see is. See what uh, I did there? <laughs> go go, Gadget Arms. So the, If you don't know my reference there, there's a TV show in the 1980s and 90s for kids called Inspector Gadget, and he and, would have arms that would reek out reach out very far. And if you have Netflix, there are new episodes. New episodes? New episodes. Wow. Um, we won't get into that today. We've already gone down one rabbit hole far enough. Uh, I might be distracted because I might just be loading up Netflix on my laptop oh, and uh, watching during <laughs> our uh, uh, recording of this. Um, I'll get you next time, Gadget. gadget exactly. So uh, our topic for today... Uh, Dr. Claw. M- my... Um, 
my awkward uh, segue earlier, conscience. Conscience. Um, conscience. You know, last, last week, Father, we talked about mercy, and, and so people can un- misunderstand mercy. I think conscience is probably even more yeah, yeah, misunderstood. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> it'd be good to talk about both. I can't nod on the ra- uh, on the radio or a podcast. I got to give some sort of verbal acclamation. Thank you so much for doing that because people don't see it otherwise. I know. Um, what it is, but also what it isn't. Yep. Yep. So maybe we'll start with the latter. What conscience isn't? It's not whatever you feel. Let's say more. Well, it's not just like, well, this is how I feel. So therefore do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Obey your thirst. Right. Right. So that, that isn't conscience. Right. So, so just because I'm, in, way because I'm in conscience, an impulse or an instinctual desire, right? We don't just respond to and say, "Well, my conscience is called." I did this because my conscience called me to do it. Right. But that's not conscience. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What, what? Anything else that's not conscience? Uh, conscience isn't. This is a little different way. Conscience isn't uh, always right. Right. Yes. Just right. We're going to talk about later. It gets it gets a little little. You have to follow your conscience. You have to follow your conscience. Just kind of the way you work, right? Um, but at the same time, and we'll be talking shortly more about this. You need to form it, right? So, so um, you, yeah, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So it's it's not. Go ahead. It's not necessarily the voice of God, right? Right, right. and that, I think that's a key point right there. That, too often there's this general sense, maybe people to articulate it clearly that way, but this general sense that our conscience is the voice of God and therefore we should follow, obey the voice of God, so I need to follow my conscience. Well, you do need to follow your conscience, but that doesn't automatically mean it's the voice of God. Yeah, and kind of the way conscience works as well as, I mean, this is more of probably a discussion we should have in preparation, but uh, can you not follow your conscience? Um, you mean, is it possible or ought I not? Is it possible? That's a really good question. Can, can I? Yes. Yes. I cannot follow my conscience. Okay. okay. Uh, for me, it's a, what I'm thinking of right now is there, the thing that I ought to do, I do not. The thing that I know I should do, I don't. And the thing that I don't do, you know what I mean? Yeah, Romans seven nineteen. Yeah. But is that really talking about his conscience or is he talking about like moral knowledge there? No, because sometimes our con- our conscience, my conscience calls me to task, calls me to account, holds me accountable. I realize I'm doing something that I know yeah. is wrong. Yeah, okay, good point, good point, good point. So, and you don't listen to your conscience because your passions, um, the conscience is informing your intellect, which is guiding your will, but your passions uh, sometimes are overriding. I allow uh, my passions to override right, them. And right. so I, 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 I ignore my By conscience. By fear or by uh, desire, or by something else. Right. Yeah. So that yeah, okay. Jiminy Cricket, okay. I paid no attention to Jiminy. Jiminy? No, nah, they told me lose me on the Jiminy Cricket. Cricket. The little... Yeah, man, yeah, but is he a conscious symbol? I think so. Oh. I think so. I didn't even know like what Disney movie he's in. I don't remember either. You have kids. I know. Yeah. yeah. You guys know too much Disney? Some. Oh, okay. You found your conscience on that? Pixar. Uh, so, so we're speaking here, but talking about what conscience isn't, we're sort of getting to, and we've spoken actually explicitly to what it is, but let's be more explicit about that. It's the Aboriginal Vicar of Christ. What? Cardinal Newman, uh, Cardinal John Henry Newman. He was a priest who lived in the 19th century, the 1800s in England, uh, convert to the faith was a Anglican minister, became Catholic when he realized he had no choice following his conscience. 
Ah, I see what I did. And uh, uh, he once wrote a letter to the Duke of Norfolk, who's afraid that uh, because Catholics have to uh, obey the Pope on matters of infallible decree, that Catholics couldn't be a uh, good member of uh, the good country citizen. of England, yep. good citizen of England. And so in that letter, he refers to uh, conscience as the aboriginal vicar of Christ. So unpack those words for us. Well, aboriginal, like to the origins. Right. Right. Uh, so, so like the, the first in a sense. Yeah. So from the beginning, like you might've heard the word aboriginal to describe certain indigenous peoples in Australia. Right. I don't know if that's still correct way to refer to them. I'm not up on Australia, but, um, <laughs> because it's down under, <laughs> you should have gone there. I know. Follow your conscience on yeah. that. It was right. It was right. Um, I'm forming your conscience right Yes, here. thank you. The, uh, oh, we got to talk about Circle of Grace. Okay. Yeah, I, I, okay. Okay. We will. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Aboriginal Vicar of Christ. So it, like from the origins, it's his voice inside you that's able to speak in that authority of God. Okay. Yeah. And so. So Vicar of Christ, just to be explicit. The Pope. Um, a representative of, an, an author, not just representative, an authoritative delegate. Authoritative delegate of yeah Christ as the Father has sent me so I send you so so my con but again as we talked about earlier the, the conscience isn't the voice of God no but it is still the vicar of Christ and that's a distinction yes okay. yeah uh, it, it carries within us an authority in that right. way yep that exactly. we recognize yep. yep. that we recognize and um uh, Jay Budzins yeah we've talked about him and oh. his last name that we can't pronounce but he has a great book which kind of goes more in this with uh, his book, uh, What We Can't Not Know. Right, right. Yeah, we spent an episode or two mm -hmm. uh, years back now. Wow. Yeah, search the archives, about. listeners. Yep, yep. If this uh, topic intrigues you, if we haven't killed your interest in the topic. Exactly. Of the so, conscience. Do you want to save the circle of grace thing for later? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, I think it flows into the idea of forming conscience. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's go there right now, then, okay. actually. Um, so forming conscience, and, and we'll come back to circle, circle of grace as part of this discussion. Well, Go back to it, like make a circle, but we'll circle back to it. Nicely uh. done. Very good. So we're, we are, the church teaches that we are, we are bound to follow our conscience, but we are also bound to form our conscience because our, our conscience is not always right. Correct. So we have to even, so, so it's essential because we have to follow it. It's essential that we form it properly. It's not the voice of God. It needs to be formed. Um, and because of like anything else within it, it has been affected by original sin. Exactly. So, so our our conscience is a weakened instrument, if you will, faculty of 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 our soul. Of our it has spirit. been darkened. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, by the way, the, the catechism has a beautiful uh, teaching, extensive teaching on the catechism, and doesn't get too you know too deep into the weeds in terms of theological um, terminology and so Nerd on. Nerd alert. Um, so if, if you're interested more about this, a uh, reference in the catechism is 1776. Think of the declaration. 1770 and 76? Through 1802. So if you have the, the uh, a bound copy or if you can find it's it's free online, you can find it all sorts of places. Just Look search uh, into whatever uh, search engine you prefer, CCC1776 yep. with a space yep. between the CCC and the, and the 1776. Um, so... so in there, talking about the need to form our conscience, for the one thing that struck me was um, the the first emphasis. I think is on the need for interiority. What does the mm. church mean by that? Uh, the ability to listen in quiet and know what's going on in your heart of hearts. 
So in order to form to my, feel all the feels, to, okay. as so, my students say these days, in order to form my conscience, I need to feel all the feels. What does that mean? Well, uh, that to, to be aware of what's going on within us. Uh, we talk. Uh, we've talked about the comedian Jim Gaffigan before. Yeah, and uh, in his first book, Dad is Fat, he talks about going trick or treating with the kids. And you know, at the end of the night, after the kids go to the bed, I'm left with the with a decision. I can either a feel my own feelings. Or B, eat all the children's candy. I'm sorry, kids. I don't know what happened. Right? So, I mean, we're aware of the fact that we don't always feel and are aware of what's going on inside of us. Interiority is the practice by which we become recollected and aware of what's going on. And not just that, but then as a Christian, meet God in that. Because that's where God desires to meet us. So when that I, interior. So when I literally quiet myself, put myself... Um, whether this is for a few moments or for many moments, um, quiet myself and reflect on myself and and I think affects of my heart, the, the the feelings right. that I'm feeling um, and reflect on that. You're saying that in that reflection, I can encounter God. Yes. Okay. Now that's a privileged place of encountering God. Okay. But but it's not just a matter of like getting in touch with your inner self. That's narcissism. What's the, so say more about that distinction. Well, I mean, you quiet yourself for the sake of turning to God instead of just quieting to center in on yourself. This isn't like self-centering. Okay. By which you become right. self-centered. <laughs> focused on. Right, right. We're, we're focused on meeting God in this self-reflection. Yeah. And okay. so interiority is the practice that like uh, most uh, of like the sisters and the monks and their rule and their practice of life is what they're seeking to do is live an interior life. Where I'm always self-aware, or as self-aware as I can possibly be, and encountering and God. And not just self-aware, but just aware of what the Lord's doing. And encountering God. In yeah. Okay. As one priest friend of mine likes to say, Jesus, what are you doing right now? Right. Right. Because he's doing something right now in your life. Right. So, right. I mean, right as we're recording this, Christ Do you know is how moving. he's loving you as you're driving in the car right now? Right. Do I know how he's loving me as we're recording this podcast? I mean, I'm not at that place where I, where I am that... Uh, where I practice interiority, if that's the the right yeah. syntax. So, uh, what else, Father, with regard to the need to form our consciences? Well, so the interiority to listen, uh, also the it, it's a lifelong task, right? Okay. You know, you've got some great things on that. I thought, um, yeah, we were mentioned earlier our because we're fallen, our conscience is fallen. Um, we aren't born with a perfectly formed conscience. We need to form it because it's faulty. And you can just see this. I mean, it, if you reflect a bit, as we were talking about just now, um, on our own experience and how God moves in us, we see that in ourselves. But certainly, as the parents, uh, as a parent of young children, as 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 a dad, I see that in in my kids. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about how cute young children are, and they are. I mean, I love my children. I, Throughout every stage of their life, there's been particular joy for the particular ages of uh, and stages of, of growth and development. But they're not always nice. No. Well, well, they're not I, always kind. Right. I know you. I don't I like the word nice. I know you don't like the word nice. They're I not. Despise the you, word nice. <laughs> oh, that's nice. It's very grinchy of you for some reason. You're a mean one. Um. We see that, you know, yes, children are cute, but ask parents, you know, and that's, I tell people all the time who, who, who very kindly and generously um, compliment my wife and I on, on our children. I said, well, mm. I'll just set up the mm. webcam at home for you. Sometime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if 
only you knew. <laughs> and by I mean my kids, you know, don't turn into demon children when they walk in the door at home. But you know, they they they, they are they have their kids, moments, but they have their moments. Just like I have my moments, yeah. right? I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, I was talking about myself. Okay, thank you. Um, so that's just reflective of the fact that we have a fallen nature, and we see it whether in in young people, children, or in old people, grown adults. We need to form our consciences. Right. And so that's why I like the idea of circle of grace. Okay. Uh, circle, if you're not uh, familiar, uh, listeners, circle of grace is a curriculum that uh, we use in uh, the East in the Diocese of Sioux Falls for uh, the f- kind of a, a formation of conscience for our young people. And in it, there's this idea of even forming your feelings, educating your feelings. Right. And just to dive into that a bit. So, you know, when your child has an experience of danger, whether it's moral danger or physical danger, or whatever it is, to be able to go to your child and say, like, "Did you know? Did that feel wrong? You know, yeah, that felt wrong. I was worried about that. Right. Okay, your feeling was right. Right. That was a correct feeling there. So the next time you feel that in the same or even a different situation, go ahead and trust that feeling and get out of that situation, and then figure it out later. Right. right. You know. So would you say out of curiosity? But we do we identify our conscience with those feelings, those affects? Or? Well, I mean, I think the conscience might be working through some of those promptings right, right, in that way, right. without a doubt. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, anything else with forming your conscience that you think we need to talk about right now? Well, I mean, p- parents, this is part of your responsibility. When you when you ask for your children to be baptized and be raised in the faith, uh, Father says to you, you are accepting the responsibility of raising your child in the faith. Uh, teach him to love God and his neighbor by observing the commandments and to do all that he has taught us. Do you clearly understand what you are undertaking? That sounds like words you've said before. Yeah, a few times. Okay. I'm a little off, I think, from the actual ritual. But uh, yeah, I mean, you have to form the conscience of your children. Right. That's right. your responsibility. And you are forming the conscience whether you know it or not. Right. Yeah. We're, by we're... what they see, <clears throat> by what they hear, what they observe you doing, you are forming their conscience already. As adults, we're always forming ourselves one way or another. And um, being formed. And Right, right exactly. Um, and as parents of children at home, as you were just saying, we're always forming one way or another our children. Right. I had a great conversation, actually, as we're recording this just last night with my oldest, who's in sixth grade, um, about how even though we are not perfect parents, but yeah, our yeah. desire is to form, in this case, her, to... to to, to to make her do what we can so that she's the best woman she can be. Right. The very best version of yourself that you can be. Exactly. That's what we're Trademark after. Matthew Kelly. Yes, sir. So anything else with formation, Father? I don't think so. So we're again, we're talking about conscience on this episode of Ignition. And if you want to contact us on Ignition. Email ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or tweet to us at sfdiocese hashtag ignition. So email or Twitter, two easy, great ways to contact us. So uh, we need to form our conscience, but we also need to follow our conscience. Right. Um, and and we, we alluded to this earlier. It's possible for our conscience, we have to follow it, but we have to form it so that we're not making or we're minimizing as much as possible the mistakes we make. Right. So if I'm going to follow my conscience... I have to make sure that I'm going down the right path. And this gets at the point that it's possible for us to make uh, an erroneous judgment. And so the language of the church, Father, uses here is vincible and invincible ignorance. Invincible. So what is this? From? James Bond? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Very good. Invincible. Yeah. Um, 
Invincible and invincible ignorance. Can you, let's unpack that a little bit. Well, invincible means conquerable. Invincible means unconquerable. Thank you. So a conquerable ignorance would be an ignorance that, yeah, you should have known. Right. So like when you say, well, officer, I didn't know this was a 25 mile an hour zone. He'd say to you, well, you're a citizen, you have a duty, and you're a driver, you have the duty to know uh, what uh, the speed limits are, and they're clearly posted. Right, right. Uh, an invincible ignorance would be, um, I'm trying to think of a good example of invincible. Do you have an example Well, ready to mind? Uh, w- what if the speed limits aren't posted, and it's a town, I, a stretch of highway I don't know? I couldn't have known. Uh, no, probably not. I mean, if you're going like 60, like inside a residential area, I mean, yeah. you should okay, have known better than that. What if I'm, what if I'm, uh, but I mean, like if, if you're going out of town and like someone took the sign down exactly. or you're going into a town and there's transition, like, you know, from 65 to 55 before it's 45, but you're not really in the town yet. You could be like, I didn't see the sign and the office might look like, Oh yeah. Okay. There wasn't a sign there. You know, your ignorance is right. What if you're going from South Dakota, Minnesota on I-90 and it's 80 miles an hour and somebody takes the sign down. You've never been in Minnesota. You could keep going 80 miles an hour, but it's 70 in Minnesota. Somebody took the sign down. I didn't know. Uh, whatever. Anyway, I think people get the point. How does this apply to conscience? Well, um, so, uh, you're, you will be judged of course, ultimately by God. Um, for whether or not you followed correct conscience and you'll be judged. And one thing God will look at is whether you had, so if you were ignorant of the truth, uh, were, when you followed your erroneous conscience, were you vincibly or invincibly ignorant? So is the fault yours mm-hmm. or not? Did right, you, right. are you culpable for? It is an error, but are you responsible for right. the error? Be, uh, and how can you be responsible? Well, was there an opportunity where you had to properly form your conscience and you didn't? Right. Whether through an active act of malforming your conscience or a, an inactive, a passive act of just not properly. not exactly. caring about the truth, not caring about learning the right way to do it. Exactly. So if it's that, then you are then you are culpable for the action. Vincible ignorance means that that I have responsibility for the false action, the erroneous action, the sinful action that I took. On the other hand, there's invincible ignorance. Right, invincible ignorance would be that um, through no fault of your own, you did not know. Right, right. right. And, and if it's invincible ignorance, then I am not at fault for it. I don't have culpability. I don't have responsibility. And God will not hold me to account for it. Right. And that's something like that your confessor can help you with. Um, it's hard to figure all this out yourself. And especially right. it's hard to judge yourself in this regard. Yep. But to go into confession and, and uh, receive that outside point of view from a, a, a priest who's living the moral life. So Hopefully. we we just recently celebrated the um, the 50th anniversary of the close of, of the Second Vatican mm-hmm. Council. Right. Um, one of the most notable documents from that, Gaudium et Spes, addresses conscience, and I think there was a quote from it that struck you. Yeah, Gaudium et Spes, uh, which means uh, joy and hope, uh, from Latin. Uh, there's a great line. There's a great little paragraph about conscience as well, uh, paragraph 16. But in that paragraph, talking about invincible and invincible ignorance. Uh, it says, conscience frequently errs from invincible ignorance without losing its dignity. So, I mean, you followed your conscience, but it was wrong and through no fault of your own. You know, it's like no one had ever told you you should genuflect when you enter church. Right, right. You know, right. You know even though in a sense you're kind of actually profaning God in a sense by being ignorant about genuflecting towards his sacred presence, no one ever told you about it. Right. And explained that to you. Um, so your conscience 
aired, but it still keeps its dignity. Which I think is a, 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 a compelling point. You can your conscience, in a sense, has dignity, mm. which you can lose, right, right, or not, in this right. Case. Which then it goes on. But side of losing dignity, the the same quote from Gaudium et Spes sixteen goes on. The same cannot be said for a man who cares but little for truth and goodness, or for a conscience which, by degrees, grows practically sightless as a result of habitual sin. So what it's referring to there, like, you know, someone who cares little for truth and goodness and a conscience that grows blind, sightless, as a result of habitual sin, is that we, we throw away our responsibility to know the truth. Right. Which is really scary to think about when you think about relativism in our world this day. Right. So we dull our conscience. Oh, yeah. And it becomes practically sightless. We can't see the truth. Right. Well, why is abortion wrong? Right. I mean, right. How do I have to tell you that murder is wrong? Right. Right. You know? Yep. That taking innocent life is wrong. Well, we, yeah, as you said, we see that. And that's an example of how in the world around us, we see this reality that it's possible for a human person to dull their conscience. Right. To not see what should be obvious. And and for the most, and quite often they are responsible for that. That It hasn't been just one instance um, where they, uh, they, they missed the opportunity to learn that. But it's probably been a consistent slow pattern of denial of this truth, denial of goodness. Um, not even looking for goodness and truth and just ending up there. And as it said, it's the result of habitual sin. Yep. Yep. So a um, little bit on on uh, invincible, invincible ignorance. we got about a minute and a half to go, and I think um, it's good to mention uh, the catechism talks about some rules that always apply. Oh, yeah. So they can help us. You know, there are some clearly defined boundaries. Because this can be, you know, it can get, seem a little vague, like, well, invincible. What's good for you supposed to do? is just not necessarily good for me, man. Exactly. Right. So, so that's not true, by the way. No, <laughs> um, the fir- first and to me most important of, of what the catechism tells us mm-hmm. is that we may never do evil, never do evil when? so that good may result from it. Never. So the ends do not justify the means. Right. Um, I, there are certain things that are, regardless of my intention, my good intentions, there are some things that are always intrinsically in and of themselves what they are. There are some actions, acts that are always wrong. And have no good in them. And no good can be drawn from them. And we would reject any apparent good that seems to come from them. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So so I think, you know, I don't know if we're going to get into much detail, Father, with the others. You can look this up in the Catechism, 1789, but just to focus. Which is another uh, American uh, date. That's I the, know, uh, the Constitution. Constitution. Yep. yep. So like the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto yep. you. Res- uh, respect um, your neighbor and his conscience. That can be misunderstood, I think. I really want to talk about what to do when your neighbor's conscience airs. Maybe we'll do that in another episode. Yeah. How, well, how to correct. Fraternal correction. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, works of mer- sp- spiritual work of mercy. Oh, refute the sinner. Yeah. Counsel the doubtful. Yeah, I don't remember them all. Okay. Um, but I, I think I would just, again, reiterate, you can never do good so that evil make... No. Never do evil so that good become right, and 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 your conscience can never violate an objective truth of the church. Exactly. So, out of time for this episode of ignition. We'll talk about this more in another episode. But again, in the meantime, email us ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet us sfdiocese. Use the hashtag ignition with with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.